Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for another Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut, and as always, I'm very happy you're all out there listening to our show today. Let me start by pointing out this is an abbreviated edition of Political Rewind because at 9.30, we're going to throw it to our uh, news team who are going to be uh, following, anchoring coverage of the inauguration of Brian Kemp, which takes place this morning over at the Georgia State University brand new convocation center in the old fourth ward. So um, we're going to talk a bit about uh, Kemp and his plans for his second term, what we think he might talk about in his inauguration speech today. And then, as I say, turn it over to our uh, anchors, Peter Biello and Donna Lowry. But we will be back at 2 o'clock this afternoon with a live edition of Political Rewind, at which time we will talk very specifically about what the governor had to say in his inaugural address. So with that in mind, let's get right to it. Um, It's Thursday, which means uh, my partner from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is the editor-in-chief of the paper, the boss, Kevin Riley. How are you, Kevin? Hey, Bill, good morning. And um, I realized that with less time, I'll have to make better points and make them with less words. So I'm very challenged this morning. I don't think you have anything to worry about, Editor Riley. I think you're going to be just fine as always. We're also joined by Leo Smith, a longtime Republican consultant. He worked, actually, for the state Republican Party at one point in his career. He's now the head of Engaged Futures, a government relations firm. Um, And by the way, Leo Smith, we just learned before the show. I didn't know you were an an ordained AME minister. We're going to add that to your credentials from now on. (laughs) Yeah, a once long ago thing, but I'm not a prodigal son. I still try and serve the the mission, even unofficially. (laughs) Well, thank thank you for being here. So let me start with a contrast, if I may. Um, Kevin, as I said in the introduction to the show today, four years ago, when Brian Kemp was first sworn in as governor on this inauguration day uh, in uh, four years ago, he he came to office having won a very narrow victory over Stacey Abrams. Um, As I said, he ran a campaign in which the commercials portrayed him as a real good old boy. He drove around in a pickup truck picking up undocumented workers uh, he had that famous commercial where he sort of half pointed a shotgun at a young man who was uh, going to take his uh, daughter out on a date. He was an untested uh, 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 leader, certainly in the governor's office. He'd been secretary of state for some time. The Brian Kemp who takes office today is a far different person, certainly in terms of his image and reputation. Yes, Kevin? Without question. And I think he has um, Donald Trump to thank for that, for sure. I mean, um, his really his national profile is the governor who found a way to stand up to Trump 
Um, I, I think a lot of people, by the way, are very curious to hear um, what the phone call he had with Trump <laughs> during uh, Trump's attempt mm -hmm. to overturn the election will be like. And eventually, we're hoping we'll all get to hear what that was and know what was said. But he is a completely different character who appears to have broad broad uh consensus and um mandate a mandate to move forward in the direction that he chooses and that's a big question today i keep sort of thinking that we'll get a little bit of a surprise in his inauguration speech and perhaps we will hear about a signature sort of legacy initiative as you know has been the case with many governors in the past um leo uh, between the time that he came, first came into office and today, he's managed to deal, he's had to deal with some significant crises, the pandemic, for one. There are many people out there who felt he did not handle it particularly well, opening the state early. But on the other hand, um, he uh, uh, would say and his supporters say what he was able to do was keep Georgia's economy growing when other states suffered during the pandemic. He did have to fight off Donald Trump's efforts to engage him in, uh, in efforts to overturn the 2020 uh, presidential election. And finally, and then I'll, I'll give you the chance, Leo, uh, his stature was raised also, I think, by the fact that he demolished uh, demolished David Perdue, Trump's hand-picked candidate to run against him in the gubernatorial primary, and then went on to beat Stacey Abrams by some eight points. So all of those accrue towards a guy who's now one of the major national Republican figures. You know, it's, it's almost like the three phases of Kemp. I can think back to 2015, that phase of Brian Kemp as the Secretary of State uh, he uh, gave a speech on May 15th, Georgia Public Policy Foundation Leadership Breakfast. I was there. And the speech was about policy. It was about licensing people to work as Secretary of State, having licensing being part of his duties there. There's always been that put people first sort of modality. But then the primary and the, the, the craziness of our primaries sort of shifted him with the Trump folks coming on and him being primaried. And that turned him into this far right kind of more national rhetoric, divisive rhetoric, uh, kind of a uh, 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 campaigner. And that's another phase of Kemp. And then we get back to the third phase of Kemp, the, the policy administrator, the put people first again agenda, I think is back on his plate now. So he's gone through that divisive phase. He's proven as an incumbent governor that he could do uh, certain things that were policy focused on people and returning power to the people. I think that we'll see a legacy that heads in that direction. Um I, I want to be careful, Kevin, because we are a deeply divided state, as you well know, politically. And there are many, many people who listen to our show who recognize that or who believe that Brian Kemp is uh, would not be the governor they would choose uh, uh, because he's far too conservative uh, for them. And we never want to forget what a conservative governor he is. At the same time, he comes into this inauguration this week with a huge victory. Uh, to be able to uh, uh, claim, uh, and that is the fact that we now know that Q-Cells, uh, which is one of the world's largest producer of solar energy panels, is building, is expanding its presence in Georgia, a $2.5 billion expansion, 2,500 employees, 
uh, adding to the state's reputation as uh, being a, a site for uh, green energy in the future. By the way, Kevin, we should point out Senator John Ossoff had a big role to play in the bill, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act bill, which gave incentives for companies like Hucells to come in. But it's a win for Kemp, too. Yeah, there, there's no question that uh, Kemp has been positioned as the governor of a state that is positioned for the 21st century around green energy, electric cars, you know, all that stuff. It's like we're the Michigan of the 21st century when it comes to transportation and energy. And now, and you picked up hints of this in the, uh, out of the uh, eggs and issues uh, breakfast the other day, right? That there's a growing concern of supplying about supplying the workforce that all these companies will need. And I, I know Leo, who has worked a lot in education, probably has some strong feelings about how well positioned are we and will. It's one thing to sort of uh, get the fish on the line, but we've got to land all of this stuff in a way that lets the state thrive, right, Leo? Oh, absolutely. And, and I can already see the machinations of that working because, as we already know, as all these things are embroiled about the Department of Labor in the recent news, we also know that um, uh, Bruce Thompson, our new labor chief, has already pointed out that $72 million are going to the uh, Technical College System of Georgia um, as a way to prepare a workforce for this new green energy movement to get people ready to work in these new um, uh, electric vehicle places, solar panel production. production, And so that's something that from Burt Jones talking about how to make sure that we can make sure that we have the basic requirements for entering that workforce from our school system to our trade schools, to our colleges. Uh, this is a major focus. And I think we'll hear a little bit about that in the speech. Yeah, I think we're going to hear him talk a bit about uh, job creation and uh, sustaining uh, uh, positions in Georgia. So, for instance, uh, Leo, we already know, uh, based on reporting by uh, Kevin's reporter, James Salzer, who covers budget issues at the Capitol, that uh, Kemp is going to uh, propose another round of pay raises for more than 200,000 teachers, education staffers, and state employees um, remember, of course, that he did. He has already given them five thousand uh, dollars raises in his first term as governor, and wants to add to that. Now, one of the reasons, Leo, that they're talking about uh, raises for state employees is it's becoming increasingly difficult to hold on to people in state government who are not making the kind of money they can make in the private sector. So, so we're going to hear about raises probably uh, to some extent today, Leo. Yeah, indeed we will. And I, and I think that when you're looking at showing up the stability amongst the state employees, because we know that there's going to be high competition for skilled and educated labor um, as all these new jobs get created. So he's got to shore that up so we have a state government that's effective and efficient. But at the same time, you've got to shore up your teacher core. And so we see that there's going to be even more um, uh, salary increases for teachers. And I suspect that we'll see more resources going to, as, as Kevin was alluding to, to things like career academies. Uh, and you'll see, um, hopefully, some expansions of opportunity for school choice so that people can place kids in schools that are doing things like training and uh, skill development as a focus and theme of their school. 
Yeah, a school choice, of course, always on the agenda, particularly of Republicans uh, in the legislature, Democrats, and some of the teaching groups a little less enthusiastic about uh, school choice. Uh, Kevin, he's also uh, uh, going to announce, we believe, in the speech today, that he's going to try to make good on his campaign promise to uh, uh, once again uh, give a big, big tax rebate, a tax uh, refund to uh, Georgians amounting to as much as $2 billion, uh, uh, Kevin. Yeah, that $2 billion is a big number, but how much it is for individual people, you know, is maybe uh, more debatable about how big an impact it has. But uh, to me, I think that's sort of, I would just say it's a challenge that the governor has because, he, as we know, during the campaign, Against Stacey Abrams, he stuck to his message about Georgia's strong economy and then blamed her and Joe Biden for inflation and, you know, all these other things. He stayed clear of Donald Trump. He stayed clear of the huge number of deaths in Georgia during the pandemic and just stuck with his message. So far, what we've heard out of him sounds a little a lot more like what you'd hear from someone during a campaign as opposed to someone who's cleared the way for four years of governing and perhaps reshaping some fundamental things in the state. And it's going to be interesting to see, because as you know, right, Bill, I mean, Stacey Abrams was criticized for having endless proposals to the point where you couldn't keep track of them. And Kemp kind of said very little about what he'd do in this term. And so I think, again, I'm suspecting that we're going to get something that's a bit of a surprise or a big initiative or that he hasn't hinted at yet. Um. You know, I'm glad you point out the sort of campaign nature of a couple of the announcements that have come out since he won re-election. I, we've talked on this show a couple times now, and it's worth repeating as the inauguration uh, uh, comes ahead, it, it is about to unfold in a little while. Um, he, uh, he and Bert Jones, the lieutenant governor who will be sworn in today as well, uh, have talked about combating violence that's a subject they, that Kemp has talked about for a very long time, gang, gang violence particularly. But even after the election was over, Kemp framed it in terms of the fact that he needed to take action uh, uh, based on the fact that liberal, permissive district attorneys uh, were not cracking down in crime uh, the way they needed to. So we really don't know very much about the specifics of what Kemp intends to do, but we do know that he can put it in a political context very, uh, very uh, easily, Kevin. Yeah, I think there's, uh, that's interesting, right? Because, um, again, it sounds more like campaign stuff uh, and less like governing stuff that uh, he might do. And uh, of course, you know, there's the, the liberal versus conservative view on this, is, but, but as we know, it's more complicated than it comes out in a campaign. If we really have a violence problem and crime problem, which, you know, by almost any measure we seem to have in our state, it, it, yeah, I think it's been proven we can't arrest our way out of it. Certainly, uh, Governor Deal, Governor Kemp's predecessor, was adamant about that. You know, I think that it's important to note that any politician has a values base. We hope that more and more politicians walk into servant leadership with a principled sort of approach that is consistent with their personal values. And so I don't see Kemp as sort of being in campaign mode as he enters this new phase. I see him being who he is. I see him speaking his values and remaining consistent with them. 
Um, Brian Kemp, as the Secretary of State, spoke about crime issues on occasion when he's at you know GOP meetings and when he's just out you know rubbing elbows with people. And as governor, he's still concerned about crime, as are many Georgians, especially Metro Atlanta Georgians. And I think as he looks to sort of moderate in a way of the number of people that he is appealing to, that the, the sort of the, the, the educated conservative suburbanite who is still concerned about crime is a, 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 a bigger, broader audience than, say, a Trump audience would have been. Because, you know, crime is something that galvanizes people across race, class, et cetera. And so I think it's good that he continues to talk about those things because these are things that Georgians across race and class are extremely concerned about. And so that's why he's doing it. And I think that it does open up a platform for him in impacting both Georgia as well as the national conversation about these things. And as he looks towards even going to Davos to talk about economics, um, I think that his, his, his scope is broadening. Yeah, but Leo, um, the devil is in the details. What we need to hear is what are the specific proposals that we're going to see? What legislative bills are going to be introduced to address uh, uh, violent crime? We don't know, Leo. Correct, because it's actually a very challenging issue, as Kevin has pointed out. I mean, many people have really, really been challenged with how to do that. You saw Rudy Giuliani in New York and the way that he dealt with it. You saw Bloomberg out of New York and presidential campaign talking about a stop and frisk sort of modality to deal with it. And that backfired on him, got him into a lot of trouble. Dealing with crime is very difficult. Um, Kasim Reed tried to readdress his reemergence as a, a mayoral candidate through the whole, I, I know how to fix crime thing, and people didn't really buy that. So it's a difficult thing, and it's very local control oriented. The governor is in a tough position because he does not want to disempower local sheriff's departments. He doesn't want to even disempower the mayor of Atlanta, who he's developing a good relationship with. So he has to be very careful, not give too many details, but have sort of a design think modality. You know, let's think about this problem. Let's get information for people who are most locally affected. And then let's start thinking about legislation. I think that's how he's going to approach it. Leo, while the ball's in your court, and then Kevin, I'd like you to join on this on this topic. Um, the governor has adamantly refused to consider expanding Medicaid to all Georgians who uh, would qualify uh, for it. There's no reason to believe that he's changed his mind on that subject, and yet that is a huge issue in the state of Georgia for many, many people. Um, now, John Burns, the new Speaker of the House, has put together a new health committee that's going to oversee all the other uh, work that's being done on health care issues in the legislature. It could be an opening to have a discussion, legislative discussion, about a broader expansion of Medicaid. But, but in the meantime, I think what Kemp is going to continue to be criticized for by those who have opposed him is his unwillingness to look at extending the health safety net to all Georgians. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe you were sort of still segueing to me on that to start. You know, that is, John Burns has already made some pretty strong moves in that regard. And again, <laughs> design think modality, he's created a subcommittee uh, to deal with more uh, study of health issues. He's also um, actually created a committee by 
ending another uh, committee, I think is the clarity I got on that, Kevin. I think I'm right. Um, so he is putting more resources of thought and minds uh, on the issue, uh, not sort of like saying that he is going to expand Medicaid as part of his agenda as speaker, but saying that is worth looking at. He actually made that statement that um, is worth considering and taking a look at. So I think the doors are open for the robust debate of these issues in a way that we previously, because we were so hyper-partisan, um, we previously weren't able to do that just because of the way that Kemp had to uh, approach the whole issue. Kevin, I, I would agree with Leo. I, I think that what's happening here is the door is opening because the days of just being anti-Obamacare as a popular campaign position are sort of over. We also have this issue with the health outcomes in rural Georgia, which are very important to a Republican-dominated legislature and a governor who really won his race because of his, his the votes he gets in rural Georgia. And so now we have the chance as a state, I think, to get into a really thoughtful policy debate about how do we improve health outcomes in our state is just you know signing off on a massive expansion of meta medicaid which you know republicans have been suspicious of because of what they believe will ultimately be massive cost to the state or are there better ways to do it i think everyone can agree that we ought to care more about the health of, of the citizens of Georgia and try to improve that, especially as we get all these expansions and, and all these new businesses and all these this necessity for workers. You know, those things are connected. And, and I do think it would be great if we woke up and sometime in the middle of this session, there's an actual thoughtful debate that instead of people standing in their corner screaming that there's one way to do it or no way to do it. Just, just quickly, Bill, I, I, continue with that. The workforce development, the workforce housing piece is all part of that. I mean, look where these houses are going. These, these homes are going in Gainesville, luxury apartments going there for new employees, 130,000 new jobs. Uh, healthcare is going to be a big issue for those people. And the folks who are investing billions into our economy to, to create these jobs are going to want to know that people are taken care of. Well, yes, but in the long run, Governor Kemp is going to have to signal that he's willing to see some kind of uh, a major effort to expand health care to deal with it. I've got almost no time left. But very quickly, Kevin, um, in his first term, Governor Kemp signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country, one of the most permissive gun laws in the country. Um, he, he governed to the right. Do we have any reason to think that having won a second term, Governor Kemp, moves more toward the middle, or in fact, will he be looking to a future beyond the governorship that would keep him a, a, a very conservative uh, operator? I think without question, this is not the last office he expects to hold. And I think he's a smart enough politician to do the things that prepare him for that next campaign. Leo, final word from you. No, I would just second what Kevin is saying. I think that he has a values base that he feels has a place. And I think the extremism that Republicans have been in in this last cycle then moderates him to still be a conservative, but be less of a Trump conservative, which still continues to be popular with people across partisanship. 
Leo Smith, I'm very grateful to you for being here for our conversation today. Kevin Riley, you're going to be back with us when we do our show at two, talking about what the governor has said in his inaugural speech and any number of other political issues that are on the radar uh, right now. Um, So we will be back with a live show at two o'clock this afternoon. Um, In the meantime, we're going to throw it over to Peter Biello, host of All Things Considered, and Donna Lowry of Lawmakers, who are standing by to bring to you the inauguration of Governor Brian Kemp at the Georgia State University Convocation Center. I'm Bill Nygut. See you all live at 2 this afternoon. Take care, everybody.